Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale. But do these stories stand the test of time, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable, bone-chilling or butt-numbing? That's what we're here to find out. This week, I have picked our episode, and it is from the CBS Radio Mystery Theater, an episode called Hickory Dickory Doom, which first was aired February of 1979. CBS Radio Mystery Theater was created by Hyman Brown and was broadcast on CBS Radio Network affiliates from 1974 to 1982. Hyman Brown has an extensive background in the heyday of old-time radio dramas, including the Inner Sanctum series, The Adventures of Nero Wolf, and others uh, dating back to the 1930s. Each episode was introduced by host E.G. Marshall, who is probably best known for his television role on The Defenders in the 1960s and Conscientious Juror No. 4 in 12 Angry Men. For those of you who are younger and nerdier, he also played the President of the United States in Superman II in 1980. Each episode opens and closes with this terrifying yet somehow comforting creaking door and E.G. Marshall's voice telling you to come in. And then the music. Oh, the theme music. A low, eerie theme played by the bass clarinet. CBS owned full rights to the Twilight Zone series. Consequently, while searching for a theme song, they just perused the interstitial and background music from the show until they came upon a piece composed by Nathan Van Cleve for one of the shows. The theme song is available on the Twilight Zone music box set. There were 1,399 original episodes. The total number of broadcasts, including reruns, was 2,969. All of them exist, mainly because a large, loyal fan base recorded the shows on cassette, and with the advent of the internet, uploaded them all. Because of that, a lot of them exist with classic 70s radio commercials, low-production local ads and news of the day, creating a secondary, beautiful listening experience. However, the one we have chosen for this podcast, alas, the commercials were edited out. Prominent actors performed regularly on the series. Mason Adams, Morgan Fairchild, Fred Gwynn, a then-unknown John Lithgow, and... Mercedes McCambridge, one of my favorite radio actors ever. Tony Roberts, who, when you Google him, you'll see his face and you'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy. He was also a regular and is in this episode of Hickory Dickory Doom. At the end, E.G. Marshall will tell you... Until next time, Pleasant Dreams, which is the same sign-off the narrator uses in the Inner Sanctum series, which was produced by Hyman Brown. Except E.G.'s sign-off is, um, well, it's a, it's a lot different. Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music and listen to the voices.
G. Marshall. One of the most beloved of all books is Mother Goose. I dare say everyone in the world knows Ring Around a Rosy, Mistress Mary Quite Contrary, Ba Ba Black Sheep. Many of those nursery rhymes were based on actual fact. Ring Around a Rosy depicted death from the plague in the 14th century. Mistress Mary was commonly thought to be Mary, Queen of Scots. And Ba Ba Black Sheep was a protest of the common people against confiscation of property by the royalty. But I wonder what promoted Hickory Dickory Duck. The mouse ran up the clock. The clock struck one, and down he runs. Hickory Dickory Duck. Charlie, look. The door to the clock. It's opening. All by itself. At this point, I'd believe anything. That cold air again, too. Look. Something sort of floated out of the clock. I saw it, too. What was it? I don't know. I'm not sure I want to know. popular American pastimes is attending garage and tag sales. There seems to be something about buying someone else's junk that fascinates most of us. But of course, not all garage sales offer junk. Some of them have some very usable merchandise. And occasionally, you might pick up a real antique. The garage sale we're about to visit now with Charlotte and Charlie Tucker contains the belongings of a recently departed minister, a bachelor, who left his earthly possessions to his nephew, a Richard Lum. Let's join them on the lawn of the Lum's home in southern Pennsylvania. There's some real nice things here, Charlotte. I'm amazed at the prices. Everything's underpriced. <laughs> they probably want to get rid of it fast. See anything you like? Oh, it's all beautiful. I'd like to find a pretty lamp if there are any. Mother hates that one I have in the guest room. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she gets in day after tomorrow. And remember your promise, Charlie. No golf or cards for the two weeks Mother's here. You know she adores you. I think she makes her visits more to see you than me. Hey, I hope she brings her tarot cards. And that's another thing. No teasing her about her interest in the occult. The last time she read the cards for you, everything she said came true. You landed that job at the Cromwell Agency and made art director six months later. Yeah, but that might have been because... Can I help you with anything? I'm Mr. Lum. Oh, well, I, I would be interested in a lamp. Lamps are up on the porch. My uncle had some lovely ones. Your uncle was the minister? Yeah, I was his only living relative and he left all this to me. I, I really can't keep it. We have no room for it all. Uh, then this isn't his home? No, no. I live here. My wife and I carted the things from the parsonage in Milford. I'll leave you to browse. I hope you like one of the lamps. Hmm. Hey, you want to head for the porch? Well, let's just stroll and look around. We'll get to the lamps. Hey, check that grandfather clock. That's an oldie. What a beauty. <laughs> it doesn't know what time it is. It just struck one and it's ten minutes to eleven. Looks so old. I bet it costs a fortune. Hey, you just wanted a lamp, remember? Oh, but I didn't mean we'd buy it. But it is awfully good looking. It's in great condition, too. Charlie, wouldn't it look perfect in the south corner of the dining room? It almost matches that antique hutch Mother gave us when she moved to Florida. Yeah, yeah, it would. But ask the price first before you start redecorating. Well, it'll probably be more than we can afford. 
It's got to be at least a hundred years old. Older than that. I saw you admiring the clock. How much? I priced it at two hundred. Uh, not much call for grandfather clocks today in the newer homes. Rooms are smaller, more modern, and this one doesn't chime. But it just did. You say this clock struck? Yes. Yes, just as we passed it. Well, that is extraordinary. Two hundred dollars, you said. We'll take it. Sold. Now, do you still want to see the lamps? Oh, uh, yes, I still need one for the guest room. I'll help you to the car with the clock. Thanks. And I'll go and check out the lamps. They're on the porch, remember? I'll be back in a moment to help you move the clock. And a very beautiful one, too. Funny what he said about it never chiming, though. Isn't it? Careful now. Watch the chair. See it. Oh, the clock weighs a ton. I never found one this heavy. Okay, your end down first. Here we go. Oh, Oh, there we are. Now, come around here and just steady her as we stand her up. Oh, it looks so much bigger inside here than it did on the lawn. It's a matter of perspective. Uh, There we are. Ah, it is imposing, isn't it? (laughs) It looks better there than I thought it would. Well, let's polish it up first, then see if you can get it going. Okay. Here, you rub it down with the linseed oil, and I'll do the glass on the door. Hey, this wood is fantastic. I can't tell what it is, but maple, maybe, or, or even... Oak? I think we found a steel today. You know, Charlotte, the grain in this wood has a sort of design to it. Hmm? Look, like foreign characters or something. Yes. I see what you mean. This looks like a row of A's. Yeah, and see here? Look, here's a ram's head. But they're not carved. The wood's as smooth as glass. Yeah, well, it couldn't be paint. No. Could it be that the wood just just grew that way? That's possible, I guess. But these figures are so clear. It doesn't seem like an accident of nature. <gasps> look, they're more on the other side. You don't really notice them until you look for them. Uh, this oil really brings out the color and the grain of the wood. I want to clean the inside of the door. Have you got the key? Oh, yeah. Uh, here in my pocket. Here. Maybe these are some sort of uh, religious symbols, huh? They belong to a minister. But they don't look like... Charlie. Yeah? Put your hand inside here. Inside the clock? Go ahead. Feel it? Yeah. Yeah, the air is sort of cool and and damp. (laughs) I didn't feel that when we took the pendulum out to bring it home. But then the clock was out in the hot sun. Why would the air inside the clock be cooler than room temperature? It beats me. Oh, oh, Mike's awake. I'll have to heat up the bottle, darling. Yeah, you go ahead. I'll finish. I, I want to fool around with the works and see if I can get it going and figure out what goes with the chime. Hmm. <laughs> Speak of the devil. <laughs> there it goes again. Second time this morning. You spent half of yesterday working on it. It's obvious there's something wrong with it that you can't fix. Oh, better hurry and finish your lunch. Mother's plane gets in in two hours. You sure you won't change your mind about coming along? No, and Mother won't mind. Mike's been so fussy and restless these past two days. I think he's coming down with something. Probably another tooth. And Tinker hasn't been around all morning. It's not like her to stay away so long. 
I'm going to go and look for her. Hey, cats do as they please, and you know it. But yesterday she wouldn't come in at all. She'd start up the porch steps, and then she'd arch her back and spit. She refused to come into the house. Well, she'll be all right. Cats know how to take care of themselves, and I'd better get going. Traffic to the airport might be heavy. And wait till you see how your grandson's grown. He grows some every day, it seems. He'll be walking soon. He's ten months old tomorrow. <laughs> You'll be seeing him in about 30 seconds. We're home. Oh, there's Charlotte. Oh, she looks a little thinner, don't you think? Yeah, well, she's taken up jogging. Uh, hi. Hello, darling. Oh, Mother. Oh, how good to see you again. Mm. Oh, you look wonderful. And feel it, too. Oh, I'm so sorry about not coming to the airport. Oh, that's all right, dear. What's the difference? Now, put your bags in your room, Mother. Thanks, Charlie. How was the flight? Oh, rough and bumpy. I skipped the food and stuck with my old-fashioned. We're cooking out tonight. You'll get one of Charlie's steak specials. Oh, that'll be nice. Charlie tells me you've taken up job. What's the matter? Mother, what is it? I feel... Charlie! Mother, are you sick? Here, sit down. No, 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 I... I'm not sick. I never felt it in this house before. What do you want? Felt what? Uh, a force. Uh, very, very faint. What's the matter? What, what kind of force? When I stepped inside the house, it brushed me ever so lightly. Oh, I could even be mistaken. Hey, what is this? Do you feel it now? No, 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 not at all now. Come on upstairs and lie down. You said you hadn't eaten. Maybe that's it. No, I don't need to lie down, dear. I... Shouldn't have alarmed you. It, it was nothing. Oh, I want to see my grandson. Are you sure you're all right, Mother? Of course. Now, where is that Mike? Well, he's still sleeping. But it's almost time for his dinner. All right. I'll go upstairs, unpack and freshen up. Well, you can look in on him. He might even be awake. I'll just tiptoe in and see. I'll be down in a little while. Hey, what was she so upset about? I, I still don't understand. Neither do I. She said she felt a, a, a force, but... And she tried to brush it off as, as though it wasn't anything at all. Yeah, I heard. It kind of bothers me, though. Mother is sensitive to those things, but what kind of force could be in our house? <laughs> you think that's what... You think that's what's spooking Tinker? You said she's gone again. I don't know. I, I certainly don't feel anything. No, neither do I. And you know how I feel about psychic phenomena, huh? If Mom doesn't bring it up again, let's forget it. I hope I can. Are you going to work a while? I'm going to bed. Just a minute or two. I want to look at this new hosiery layout and then sleep on it. Mother and Mike are both dead to the world. Those flights always tire her. Hmm. Charlie, did Mother say anything more to you about her feelings? I mean, about the force, as she calls it, and the clock. No, not really. Uh, just that she thought the marks on the clock were ancient symbols or something. Yes. Remember how she dismissed it while we were having dinner? I couldn't pin her down to a direct answer. <laughs> so she doesn't want to make you nervous. Well, it only makes me more nervous. There's something I didn't mention. When I told her we thought the cool air inside the clock came from the type of wood, she said that could be one explanation. Oh, she has another? She wouldn't say. Charlotte, hey, you didn't mess around with my drawing board, did you? What? I never go near it when you're working on a layout. Well, the sketch I did yesterday is all smudged. 
Look. Well, darling, I had no idea how it that... didn't could... blow to the floor, maybe. Uh, you picked it up? No, or... absolutely not. I've told you. Well, how could something no one touched smudge up like that? I mean, these inks don't blur. Charlie, I give you my word. I, I know, Charlotte. I'm not accusing. I'm, I'm just mystified. I'll have to do the whole thing over again in the morning. Well, come into bed then. Yeah, yeah, I'll be right in. Gee, that's strange. It just couldn't happen like that. Strokes. Charlie, I'm scared. So what time is it? Two o'clock. Well, I'm going down. I just I just don't hold with that supernatural. You're stuff. going down there? Of course. Well, I'm coming with you. I heard you two in the hall. What's the matter with the clock? Well, that's what I'm going to find out. I'll stop that chiming if I have to break the whole damn mechanism. I'd be very careful, Charlie. Take my advice and don't touch it. I'm going to do something to stop the chimes. It's It's gone haywire. Do as Mother says, Charlie, please. Don't touch it. But it looks like I don't have to. It's stopped. Hey, wait. Do you feel that? Yes. A little gust of cool air? Yeah. Damp. I'm going into the dining room. Uh-oh. That's where it's coming from. The front of the clock's open. Look. The whole room's cold. Something opened that door to the clock. Something? Well, it couldn't have been someone, could it? Charlotte, put on some coffee. It's time we faced facts. And high time, I'd say, wouldn't you? Whether Charlotte and Charlie want to admit it or not, there's something strange going on in their home. Charlotte's mother realizes it, and realized it the moment she set foot in the house. So while the coffee's brewing in the Tucker household at 2.15 a.m., we'll take a short break ourselves. seem more sinister in the middle of the night, don't they? At two o'clock in the morning, our little fears are magnified many times. And at 2.15 this morning, in the brightly lighted kitchen of Charlotte and Charlie Tucker, the sinister happening of the past few moments hangs heavily over the three figures huddled over their coffee. There is something strange in this house, Charlotte. Something psychic. Oh, really? Now, wait. I know you both take my interest in parapsychology lightly. Oh, you have every right. I'm not going to make light of it, Mother. Not after this. You never did tell me your explanation for the cool air in the clock. Well, I don't know what causes that. Mm. But something psychic is developing in this house. Developing? I felt it the moment I came in yesterday afternoon. I tried not to make too much of it. I avoided your questions. But I'm too concerned now. I really am. But why? why? Why would our house all of a sudden be 
<laughs> Possessed, if that's what you mean. And what's the clock got to do with it? Well, I think whatever it is in this house started when you brought that clock home. For what reason? Well, again, I have to say, Charlie, I, I don't know. But have you noticed anything else strange in the house? Other than the peculiar behavior of that clock. Well, the baby's been awfully restless lately. I, I mean, more than usual. And Tinker... She wouldn't come in the house yesterday. She's run off and... Uh-huh. Charlie, your layout. Well, now you've got me wondering. What was that about a layout? Oh, it's a hosiery ad I've been working on. It's been smudged and nobody in the house could have done it. Except perhaps a spirit. Oh, Mother. <gasps> well, now that seems even more unlikely. How could a spirit smudge a physical drawing? Poltergeist can actually hurl furniture around. Oh, we've got poltergeists? Charlie... Charlotte, I'm very serious. I think you should call in a psychic investigator, a ghost breaker. You are serious. Very much. Now, there's a particularly good one I know of. Oh, I don't know him personally, but he has an international reputation. Now, he might be interested in this. I thought these guys just prowl around old English mansions. Oh, far from it, Charlie. They're willing to make a preliminary examination almost anywhere. And they can usually tell right away if there's a hoax involved or if it's just coincidental events. I personally think there is nothing coincidental here. Well, how would we get in touch with this uh, investigator? His name is Paul Carlton. Yes, the American Society for Psychical Research could get in touch with him. Oh, they'd be sure to be interested, too. Charlie, do you think we should go that far? It scares Charlotte. me. The sooner this thing is brought out in the open, the better. Well, I'm with you, Mother Lee. I'm all for this poor Carlton having a look. If he's willing to come. Would you like me to get in touch with him? Yes. All right. I'll call the society for you first thing in the morning. Hello? Mrs. Lee? Yes? Paul Carlton. The society gave me your message. Oh, yes, Mr. Carlton. Thank you for calling. Not at all. I'm very interested in all you told them. When may I examine the house and the clock? Oh, just a minute, please. Charlotte, he wants to see the house. When can I tell him? Well, the sooner the better. Tomorrow, if you want. Uh, Mr. Carlton. Yes? Any time is fine with us. Well, I have a speaking engagement in Philadelphia tomorrow night. I could be there a day after tomorrow. Say, ten in the morning? Yes, any time. And Mrs. Lee... Today and tomorrow, be very alert to anything else that occurs in the house. The more details, the better. I understand. I'll see you Thursday morning. Here he is. There's a cab pulling up out front. Oh, I'm so nervous. You and me both. He's just going to look around, isn't he? I mean, he's not going to conjure up a lot of evil spirits. Oh, of course not, Charlie, but... I'm anxious to see if he confirms my feelings. Well, uh, look, we might as well go out and welcome him. Uh, we know he's here. Mr. Carlton. Uh, hello. Uh, Mr. Tucker? Yes, uh, welcome. We appreciate your coming. Oh, thank you. But I'm the one who's appreciative. Come in. Uh, th- th- this is my wife, Charlotte. How do you do? My pleasure, madam. And my mother-in-law, Mrs. Lee. Ah, yes, we spoke. Oh, it's an honor to meet you, Mr. Carlton. I've read both your books. Well, thank you. You're interested in parapsychology, then? Well, I, I dabble. Now then, let's get to work. Uh, may I see this celebrated clock? Right there in the dining room. 
Follow me. Ah, yes. A beauty, isn't it? Certainly an antique. Charlotte, he didn't feel anything strange like I did. He might have and not mentioned it. Uh, Mrs. Lee, uh, you were right about these characters in the wood. Oh, they are symbols, then. Oh, I was pretty sure. Uh, would you open the door, please? I want to examine inside. Sure. We've kept it locked ever since that experience the night before last. Well, I want to get into that in more detail later. Mm-hmm. There you are. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely cooler. I'll just shine my pocket flash in here. Doesn't seem to be any reason for it. Good heavens. What is it? Your voice. It's uh, echoing like a canyon. What do you mean? Well, when your head was inside the clock, your voice echoed. Show me. You speak in there. All right. Hickory dickory dock. The mouse ran up the clock. That is extraordinary. I didn't hear my own voice like that. As though you and Charlie were talking into a long tunnel. Hmm. The inside is solid all around. Sound should be muffled. There is something psychic about it, isn't there, Mr. Carlton? Well, at this point, let's say there is need for more explanation. I'm going to take another look. Solid wood inside, all right. Ah, there's a name etched in here. Probably the maker. Might give us a good clue. Uh, Can you read it? Yes, it's faint. S-A-R-G-A-T-A-N-A-S. Saga something? Well, it's either a wry joke or... What is it? Saga Tennis, Mrs. Lee. In witchcraft. Oh, yes. One of the devil's lieutenants. Brigadier, to be exact. Yes. Saga Tennis, whose specialty is opening locks. Devil. Brigadier. Really? You do have a curiosity here, Mrs. Tucker. There's much justification for further investigation. I thought so. Uh, with your permission, I want to return with a medium I work with frequently. She's gifted and brilliant. Enormous sensitivity. You mean, uh, you mean a seance? Oh, well, not exactly, but if the strange qualities of the clock are the result of spiritual forces, Margaret Egan will know it. Charlotte? Well, we've gone this far. We might as well. Now... Keep the door to the clock locked, as you have done. Uh, By the way, has the cat returned? No. That's a very definite sign. Animal behavior is almost always an indication of the unseen. I'd like to go over the entire house now, and then I'll be in touch with you after I talk with the medium. Margaret, it's Paul Carlton. Oh, hello, Paul. Uh, how are you? Fine. I have a job for you, a fascinating case. It's a home in Pennsylvania. Everything centers around an old clock with the name Sargatanus etched on the inside. Sargatanus? I thought that would impress you. The devil's locksmith. When can you work with me? Oh, any time. Perhaps the sooner the better. Good. We'll drive down tomorrow. I'll fill you in on the details on the way. 
anything special you'll need, Mrs. Egan? Uh, no, Mrs. Tucker, no. No, no, just a, a comfortable chair. Uh, I might explain that hopefully through Margaret's trance, we'll be able to learn the nature of the spirit that inhabits the clock. Are you serious? Oh, very much so. Oh, there is a spiritual force at work in this house, Mrs. Tucker. I felt it the moment I entered. We believe it's the only explanation for the phenomena you've experienced. Well, but you're not going to uh, make anything appear, are you? Oh, no, no, Mrs. Tucker. This is not a seance. Uh, no hand-holding or dim lights. In my trance, if I can contact my guide, we may be able to learn how to deal with whatever force is in here. Why don't we get started, Margaret? Well, I am ready. Just let me relax a moment. Leona. Leona. We need your help, Leona. I am here. This is Leona. What can you tell us? Of Sargatanas. Why do you wish to know? We believe he's at work. Sargatanas is imprisoned. He has been imprisoned for 103 years. We have reason to think he's at work. Impossible. We have in our possession a clock. With his name etched into the wood. Silverette, therefore, Dundee. What? Speak again, Leona. Board to prom. Oh, she's losing contact. Leona, Leona, can you hear me? Sargatanus imprisoned. Charlie, look. The door to the clock. It's opening. All by that cold air again, too. Look. Something floated out of the clock. I saw it, too. What was it? I don't know. I don't want to know. She said she wouldn't make anything appear. Margaret. Margaret. Huh? 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 Oh, did I make contact? Briefly. We lost her. Mr. Carlton. Look at the clock. Yes. I saw it opening during the trance. Then you saw something float out while you were talking to Mrs. Egan. Something floated out of it? Yes. <gasps> An ectoplasmic manifestation. There was a manifestation of some sort. But all we got from Leona was gibberish. Except at the beginning, when she said Sargatanus was imprisoned. Oh, I've got more work to do. I don't have the strength for another trance now. I want to consult my books and my charts. I've got to do more research on Sargatanus. That does seem to be the key to this. Yes, I think so. But what was it that came out of the clock? Is it still here? Very likely. Look, I, I think we're going too far with all of this. Oh, it would not be wise to stop now. Are you going to get rid of these spirits for us? Well, we cannot promise that. What we are trying to do now is identify them. We don't care how they're identified. We want them out of our house. I know how you feel, Mrs. Tucker, but try not to be frightened or discouraged. So far, there seems to be no evil spirit involved. Playful, perhaps. And often they'll simply leave a dwelling of their own accord. 
But we do want to continue our investigation. All right. We'll go along with anything. Only please, the sooner you can clear this up, the better. Yes, well, we will be in touch in a few days after my research. Is there anything I can do to help? I'm so fascinated by all this. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Lee, but at the moment, I don't think so. Just be alert to anything that may happen. You'll hear from us very shortly. It's Margaret. I think we have stumbled on the case of the century. Explain. Sargatanus is the key, all right. Now, can you get in touch with the people the Tuckers got that clock from? Well, I don't know. I, I suppose so. Why? Well, if my calculations are correct... Yes? ...and the information I have so far points to it, that clock the Tuckers bought used to be known as the Gate to Hell. glad she said used to be. Although, with all those strange goings-on at the Tucker household, I wonder if someone or something is trying to open the gate again. But why? Why now, all of a sudden? And why pick on the innocent Tuckers? I don't have the answers, but perhaps someone or something will when we return with Act Three. Dante's Inferno, the poet tells us the inscription above the entrance to hell is Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Well, that inscription is not on the antique clock purchased by Charlie and Charlotte Tucker. Only the strange name Sargatanus, supposed to be a disciple of the devil. But our medium friend, Margaret Egan, thinks the clock was an entrance to hell, which seems surprising. For if I were to imagine an entrance to hell, I'd picture it in some deep jungle, arctic waste, desolate mountain range, or perhaps even a New York City brownstone house. Hardly a clock. Oh, it's becoming more incessant, isn't it? Oh, it's really driving me crazy. I want Charlie to get rid of it. Just take it anywhere. Destroy it. I'd let Paul Carlton and Margaret Egan have another go at it first. They're coming tomorrow, aren't they? Yes. And I hope this... What's the matter? There he is again. Who? That man crossing the street. I saw him yesterday. At least I think it's a man. Well, so? Look at him. Hunchback. So oddly dressed as though he were trying to hide his entire body. Now, why should you think anything of it? I had the feeling he was watching our house. Oh, now, Charlotte, I know we're unnerved by what's been happening, dear. But... I know. I'm imagining all sorts of things. Oh, I hope these people can solve something for us tomorrow. I can't go on like this. I know I suggested having them in. But maybe it's just intensified things. It's simple, really. If the clock is spooked, we get rid of the clock and the spooks along with it. I'm not sure it's as simple as that. Oh, you're sounding like them. I'm going to the village, dear. You want anything in particular? Oh, what about Wolfbane and Frankincense? I wish I could laugh at that. <gasps> Here he comes. Who? What? Yes, he's coming up the walk. That oddly dressed man. 
I saw him yesterday. He has been watching the house. Well, I'll see what he wants. Well, don't let him in. I, I, I have a strange feeling, that's all. Yes? I must see the clock. What? Who are you? What do you want? I must see the clock. What do you know about our clock? I must see it. Please. If you take that scarf off your face, maybe I can understand you better. Get rid of him, Charlie, please. I know about your clock, which chimes. I have heard the chime. I must see it. Are you an antique dealer? No. Well, what do you mean you've heard the chime? Charlie, don't. May I just see it? Then I'll leave. I'll leave. What do you know about it? Perhaps a great deal. Well, maybe you could answer some questions for us. About the clock. Perhaps. Well, just a look, then. It's in the dining room. Come in. Charlotte, look, he just may be able to shed some light on this. How do you know about the clock? That's what I want to know. I have heard a chime. Ah, yes, there it is. It's locked. Charlie, what is he doing? Now, look, wait a minute. Look, you can't open that door. It's locked. Uh, after all these years. He opened it. Hey, what, what the... Good... Heavens, he's stepping in. Oh, get out of there. Him, what the devil do you think you're oh, doing? I'm going to summon the others. Ah! He, he disappeared. He just disappeared. Oh, it, it didn't happen. I can't believe it. It didn't happen. It's empty. The guy is gone. But, uh, hey, look in here. I, I'm not staying at this house another minute. Charlotte, wait a minute. Charlie, we better call Paul Carlton at once. They can get a plane. We don't dare wait until tomorrow. Did you get a look at his face at all? No. No, he kept it wrapped up in a muffler type of a thing. Mm -hmm. And he vanished inside the clock. Yeah, like that. We'd better begin. Yes. I'll, I'll try harder. Paul, be sure to press Leona for details. I'll try for a deeper trance. You still haven't told us who you think that creature was. I'm sick with fear now. We understand, Mrs. Tucker. Uh, believe me. This is the most unusual case Margaret and I have ever worked on. You have every right to be nervous. I think we'll have some of the answers in just a few minutes. But who or what was that creature that disappeared inside the clock? That wasn't possible. But we all saw it happen. Well, now, now let's see what develops in Margaret's trance. You know what the creature was and you won't tell us. We didn't see it, Mrs. Tucker. How can we know what it was? Please, let us get on with the work at hand. Yeah, I think we should, Charlotte. All right, all right. I I'm sorry. Go into your trance and tell us how to put an end to this evil thing. Leona? Leona, are you there? Leona? I am here. There is much concern here. Much excitement. Leona. Sargatanis. Sargatanis has returned. His imprisonment is over. There is so much excitement here. Help us, Leona. Tell us. Sargatanus is telling them his way to the world was through the clock. His gate to hell. Dorbit tree, lemon. Uh, uh, Leona, Leona, please. One hundred and three years ago, the clock was bought by a minister. Sargatanus was ecclesiastically imprisoned. The clock with his name inside it. Yes, the clock is one of the gates to hell. She was right. Margaret was right. It chimes to reveal its whereabouts. For 
and three years the gate was closed. Ecclesiastically closed. Now the gate is free. The clock strikes to let Sagatanus know where it is. To let the demons know the way is again open. Now, Leona, I am in the presence of the clock. It is here, in the next room. It is the way. Sagatanus has come to summon the others. The others? For what? What others? The way is now open from hell to earth. The clock strikes to lead the demons to the exit. When? How soon? The way is open now. Soon. Tobit, transit. Uh, Liliona, when? When? Tobit, gone. Oh, we're losing contact again. What in the world does she mean? Well, you heard. The clock is a gate to hell. Every chime is summoning an evil spirit. All right, look, I've had enough of this mumbo-jumbo. I know there's something wacky going on, but all this seance business isn't helping at all. Now, it's making things worse. Charlie, please. What, what, what happened? Oh, did we make contact? Yes, Leona confirms what you thought, Margaret. The clock is a gate to hell. <gasps> she said that? Yes. Oh, it's true, then. Oh, I was sure of it. But, 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 but what is going to happen? Oh, Mrs. Tucker, we must get that clock out of this house and into a church as quickly as possible. Paul. Yes? Did Leona say anything about an emergence? No, she just said the way is now open. It will be soon. Oh, dear Lord, we've got to move fast. Are you really serious? Mr. Tucker, if we do not get that clock out of here and onto hollow ground soon, believe me... All hell will literally break loose. Listen to it. It's calling. Oh, get it out. I'll be glad to get rid of it. Charlie. Charlie, we better do what they say. All right. I'll be glad to see the end of the damn thing, too. That's what it is. It is damned. Oh, do hurry. Give me a hand, Paul. It's, it's not heavy. I'll call the church. Reverend Childs is probably there now. No, oh, he's not going to believe this. Uh, uh, tip it toward me. I'll go bring the station wagon around. It isn't moving. I can't... Uh... Well, well, lay it on its side. Right. We'll, we'll carry it. I can't budge it. What? We brought it in without any trouble at all, but I... Now I, I, I can't move it. Well, here, let me get on your side. All right, now, push no, I won't budge. You've got to get it out. Well, we can't move it an inch. Well, well throw your weight against it with me. Now. It's no use. Oh. Sagatanis is having his way. Is there anything you can do, Mrs. Egan? I am a medium, not an exorcist. Unless that clock is on hollow ground. The child says to bring it. He didn't understand what I was talking about, but he We said... can't budge it. What do you mean? The clock is rooted to the floor. Oh, to heaven, what are we going to do? I'm going to smash it to bits. Oh, that's impossible now, I think. Look. The clock. <gasps> Flames inside. Oh, the fires of hell. Oh, they're on the way. The whole house may go oh. up. The baby. Mike is upstairs. I'll get him. Get out. Everybody out. My baby. I've got to get my baby. Get out, Charlotte. I'll get Mike. Come with me, Charlotte. Hurry. All hell is breaking loose, and we can't stop it. Oh, only I've got the connection soon. Oh, I should have seen it right away. The flames are spreading. Come on, Margaret. We must get out with the others. Everything's gone. Everything. 
And this is only the beginning, I'm afraid. My baby, we're safe now. Shh. We're safe, Mrs. Tucker. But I wonder for how long. What do you mean? This is not the end of it. No. Oh, oh my. The Anderson's house is going up, too. There is no escape. It's too late. The world is doomed now. Hell hath triumphed. <laughs> Dickory, dickory, doom. A clock stood in a room. The clock struck well to summon hell. Hickory, dickory, doom. I couldn't resist a little parody on the popular nursery rhyme. Something to bring us back to the real world. To realize that such things just don't happen. Do they? Uh-oh. I'll be back shortly. see by the old clock in the corner that our time is up for now. The next time you happen on a grandfather clock, I hope you'll take a peek inside. If you feel cold, clammy air in there, I'd suggest you tell whoever owns it to get rid of it quickly, preferably to a nunnery. That is, if there's still time. Our cast included Tony Roberts, Patricia Elliott, Sam Gray, and Joan Shea. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. Uh, See, Carlo, uh, there is no doubt. Uh, this is a Lucifer man. Uh, Lucifer? Uh, you mean the devil, uh, Satan? It was not always so that Lucifer uh, meant evil. Uh, In ancient Latin, uh, Lucifer meant bringer of light. The morning star. But this animal groveling under the floor here, you're not saying he's a saintly man. He is a slave of Satan. See the way he looks at me. It knows I am its master. This creature is centuries old. Get up, demon soul. Stand up on your two real legs. I shall... Will you not answer me? Yes. Speak now of a later time in your existence. What are you? Mrs. E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant That was Hickory Dickory Doom, an episode of the CBS Radio Mystery Theater here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. So that's CBS Radio Mystery Theater, and that was my choice for the week. And if you are familiar with this, uh, which a lot more people might be because uh, it's from more recent history, mostly from the 70s, this was a huge part of my life. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater. In my town, in Minneapolis, every Sunday night on a local radio station. And I said at the beginning, I wrote, that creaking door, terrifying yet somehow comforting. I know when I hear that door, oh, this show is like a warm blanket. I, of horror. Of horror. <laughs> I love the theme music. I love E.G. Marshall and his delivery so much. I love the writing for E.G. Marshall. I love... 
Every single aspect of this show, I think, is brilliant. E.G. Marshall is so interesting because he's so grandfatherly mm-hmm. as he introduces these terrible, terrible stories. Yes, that's what I <laughs> love it's, about it. It's a nice it. contrast. Mm-hmm. Any background with CBS Radio Mystery Theater, either of you two? Did you listen to it growing up? It wasn't on, at least that I was aware of when I was growing up. I had it on a set, like one episode. I can't remember what the episode was on, on a cassette set. And I recognized enough, even to my young ears, that it sounded different from the Newer. others. But I had no information. There was no internet. And it, it was longer than the other episodes, too. There was It was one story on two sides of the cassette. Right. So that stood out to me. But I think after meeting you, and you were speaking so enthusiastically about it that I have since gone back and listened to a handful, not 1,399 <laughs> no. episodes by any means. That's one of the beauties of this. There's so many of them that I'll never hear them all. Plus, I follow... Attitude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you know, I fall asleep. <laughs> what do you think, Tim? I uh, have never heard an episode of this before in my life. This, this is your first one? Yes. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, only from you. Really? Yeah. Yeah, this is a big deal. Radio drama was dead. It was gone. TV was around, and this thing starts up in, mm-hmm. what did I say? I forget the years. It goes till 69 to 82 or something yeah. like that. It's a huge run. 1,400 new episodes. They were writing an episode a week and was extremely popular, and they were the only ones doing it. Interesting. What did I can't wait to hear you, uh, virgin of CBS Radio Mystery <laughs> well, Theater. Well, there was a little bit of pressure because I knew you are so enthusiastic about mm-hmm. it. Like, I hope I like this, <laughs> <laughs> right? And it was just from the get go so much fun. Every little idea they introduced, like that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Just the setup of, it's an estate sale of a grandfather clock being sold. Like, this is a fun story. I want to find out what happens to this. Mm, right. When it gets to the Satan's locksmith. <laughs> right. I'm having a great time. And then you cut back to E.G. Marshall, who's just like, well, wow, Satan's Satan's locksmith. <laughs> How about that? We'll go away for a break. He's just like, he's so calm. It's sort of the opposite of, of Raymond. I mean, yep. I make that comparison because he, it's, it's the Hyman same Brown. Hyman Brown. Using it. And he uses the idea of the narrator, just like he did with Inner Sanctum, uh, and uses the same sign-off. But what they've done is a complete 180 on what they did mm-hmm. with the Inner Sanctum narrator. And that was uh, what you get with E.G. Marshall, which I think is one of the reasons I can't stand Raymond on Inner Sanctum so much. <laughs> is because I yeah. grew up with this, and this yeah. is, like you said, Grand Grandpa, you're scaring the... Leap out of me. I mean, in a way, they're sort of leaning into the old time radio nostalgia by having someone so warm and friendly mm-hmm. introducing it. To, like, mm-hmm. remember when? Right. Mm-hmm. What did you think of E.G. Marshall first, Tim? Like, you like uh, him as a narrator? Yes, because I mostly know him not as president in Superman Two, but just as being <laughs> established Hollywood character actor, yes. stately adds gravitas to anything he does. I don't know him other than the, you know, I do yeah. now. Mm-hmm. But if you said what he's most famous for, oh, he's the CBS Radio Mystery Guy. Yeah, I would have said Twelve Angry Men. Twelve Angry Men, right? I encourage you, if you like this, of course, to try to. Are there more of these? Oh my God, there's thirteen hundred of. But here's the thing that you're going to fall in love with more so than the the great writing and the great stories, and that is most of them have all these commercials included and the news and all of it because it's just people recording off the radio, um, and there's so many. Uh, boom, 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 boom. Here comes the king. Here comes, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. 1977 and we're, I'm nine years old again with these great old commercials. And then it does local banks and stuff. And then they'll have the ID. And all of a sudden you'll find out where this was recorded. And all of a sudden you'll hear, you're listening to blah, 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 Springfield, Missouri. You know, like, oh, that's where this is from. And it adds to the nostalgia. It's fantastic. To it. It's too, too, 
two shows in one (laughs) 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 to make a 70s commercial reference. Why did you pick this particular episode out of, you know, 1400, as we said? (laughs) Right. I'm glad you asked that because they're not all like this. They are all over the place as far as what kind of suspense or thriller. Some of them aren't even suspenseful or scary or thrillers. There's the, white noise. Just, <laughs> just a guy going, <clears throat> just clearing his throat. No, there's a. <laughs> they're all over the place as far as what you're going to get. First of all, I wanted one with commercials in it, but all the ones that had commercials in it, I didn't want you guys to listen to like on this podcast because it would be like, what is that a story about a guy buying a boat? You know, like <laughs> <laughs> that's not suspenseful or scary. Or, no, because they're not all like that. They're, some of them are just stories. They all have an, some kind of suspense to them, but some are less heavy than others. So I said, I'm going with content first. This is the one I picked because the way it's written, performed, everything, I think it's terrifying. And a supernatural gets me. I, as you know, everything I've been picking, you notice it's, it's not psychological. It's supernatural. Is or not aliens and not monsters, but the dead and the afterworld scares me most. There's a really interesting structure to this story that so often with a horror story, you want to structure it where the environment gets smaller and smaller, like a zombie story of like there's a field full of zombies, got to hide in the house, and then the house full of zombies, got to hide in the basement, and. Tighter mm-hmm. and tighter and smaller. And this it gets more expansive. They get keep adding characters as they yep. go. Uh, yes. And it works. We have all these resources at our disposal, and we still can't figure this thing out. And by the time mm-hmm. they really like, okay, this is what we've got to do, it's too late. Yeah, it, it goes from a, a curious grandfather clock in a garage sale to mm-hmm. the gates of hell being thrown open. <laughs> right. That's the trajectory of the, yes. <laughs> the show. Well, it reminded me actually of Exorcist mm-hmm. um, of this, like, well, there's a small little problem and we keep applying expertise to it. That fails. Yes. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. I think it's that movie, The Exorcist, is why that is tops on my list of styles of horror that scare me the most. I think that movie set the bar for me as far as, oh, you know, werewolf ain't going to scare me, you know, but that, that scares me. I think there's, Tim, it's really interesting you say that the, the chaos builds in this, like in more and more and expansive, as you said, there's a really interesting moment where, and I'm going to surmise it because it's not quite like this, but ding dong, who are you? I'm here to see the clock. I'm going in the clock. For you. Goodbye. I'm in the clock. Like the yeah. guy just walks into their house and into the clock and they're like, uh, what? <laughs> and they're just kind of used to it at this point. Right. Like, oh, this is how we live now. <laughs> and that, right? that brings up another thing is that it has this mundane quality. And I mean that in the best sense possible. Even from the beginning, uh, they're at the garage sale and um, we find out that her mother's coming. And she says, no teasing my mother about her interest in the occult. And they're like, <laughs> like, this is this small denominational difference, like a Lutheran <laughs> and Episcopalian. Like the, the idea that they yep. just have a, member of the family who is dabbles in this is sort of treated very nonchalantly and, and ironically because it's not treated archly and dangerously it makes it scarier i agree and the details are what are frightening the small the devil is in the detail literally in <laughs> yeah. this story uh the symbols that are part of the grain of the wood not a carving the echo the cold air all of it are all these tiny details that add up and stupid things like someone messed with my hosiery ad <laughs> it's terrifying <laughs> but, but at the same time you know it, it's all these slightly small wrong things and they keep touching base with the, the main couple they don't 
want to lose their normalcy in the face of all this weirdness. Yeah, they're just determined, like, eh, okay, fine, call in mm-hmm. the, the medium, call in whatever. I'm sure it's nothing. I got to fix this hosiery ad. It's going on in the background of their lives until it culminates in, in like, mm-hmm. strange devils knocking on the door going, uh, <laughs> I hey, see a clock. Do you have a clock? <laughs> I'm going to go in the clock. No, wait. Uh, oh. It's Sorry, locked. It's, oh, he unlocked it. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. I will. If I had to pick one moment to critique, it's like, the devil's locksmith is trapped? Do you understand what you just said? Right. Yeah. Can he not pick that? Well, okay. I'll be honest. I, I had more than a few quibbles with the structure of it. While mm. I loved all the little details, I thought the performances overall, other than the weird choice to have the medium be like Julia Child, that yeah. voice was a little terrible otherwise, voice. Otherwise, everyone else was really good. They, yeah. I thought, it was fantastic performances. All the building up of the tension, but I just felt like structurally, they thought they had a twist ending, and it's not there. I feel like it just mm. goes and goes and stops. I thought there was another act when it ended. The good guys lose. Mm-hmm. But they, they lose so suddenly, we didn't even know there was a stake yet. They lose immediately upon confirming that it's the gates of hell. And there's a structural thing, too, where the medium says, I think this clock is a gateway to hell. Tomorrow we'll get together and we'll confirm that. <laughs> Then we get. Then they have the. Yep, it is the gate to hell. You, you know what I mean? Like right, it, yeah. it felt like it just needed one more twist. I, as much as I love this idea that like just the next house starts on fire and it's like, well, this is just the beginning. Right. I, I think it might be the side effect of the forty-five minute length. Yep. There's occasionally these padded scenes, scenes that you would usually oh, yeah. do a shortcut on, like yeah. weird mundane scenes, like yeah. when the mother-in-law calls and arranges for the yep. guy to come over. There's no reason for that scene. I will tell you that it is one of the biggest critiques and knocks on CBS Radio Mystery Theater is the length and cranking out a show a week for 30 years uh that's 45 minutes with commercials so an hour long is that there are two things one it's really most of them heavy on dialogue and very little foley Mm -hmm. uh it's just let's get in and read this and then you know maybe uh, you know some walking Mm -hmm. (laughs) so there it's a lot of talking and a, a lot of padding to get to that 45-minute mark. And out of 1,300 episodes, you're going to get some duds in there. <laughs> yeah. And some, you're like, wow, did we just have 10 minutes of him watching TV? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this episode, actually, they put some time and effort into the Foley and into the, the, yeah. the sound effects, into all of it, uh, uh, well, much the, more than they sometimes do. The, the chime was really effective of the clock. The chime downstairs scared me. Because yeah. that thing goes off, and it's we've talked about it before. Voices, noises in the distance. Mm-hmm. And we've done a lot of it on this podcast, the, sh- the shows that have that. And that's terrifying, you know? Like, oh, the clock's going. And again, it's a strangeness they take to be normal, or they just sort of accept it. It's ongoing. It chimes sometimes. It's, it's kind of at random, and we just sort of accept it. And then they find, oh, it's really just a signal demons that hell is opening. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> and they also, I love any of these type of scary in the house stories where they ha- they are smart enough to include a baby. Because as soon as you find out, oh, they have a baby, they seem 10 times more vulnerable. Everything gets scarier mm-hmm. to me. And the classic trope of the cat, Mr. Tinkles, I don't know what his, I can't remember what his name is. <laughs> but you know, that, that, that trope of the animal who can sense the supernatural yep. and is skittish. I love that. I mean, in real life, it would be terrible and wouldn't work because my cats would be equally frightened of the gates of hell and the empty target bag. So they would be like, <laughs> <laughs> both things would frighten them equally. So I don't know how I could tell the difference in real right. life, but I, I love it in fiction. 
I love the imagery of something floating out of it when they talk about it. Not sure what it was. That imagery and coupled with the voice of the medium, does it not remind you of the movie Poltergeist? Yeah, I definitely yeah. thought Poltergeist because they br- they bring in the. I'm experts. wondering, and I have nothing to base this on, but this is 1979. I'm wondering if there wasn't some influence getting a weird voiced woman mm-hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> to play the medium in Poltergeist, and then, but yeah, it had a lot of those kind of elements, and that's a movie that scared me. Well, and this yeah. was an era in, in film that all yep. these occult movies and mm-hmm. stories were hugely popular, so they're clearly playing on that. And Hickory Dickory Doom is is, is worthy of Raymond. I, I, I that do, is, do love that title. Okay, so Hickory Dickory Doom and other names of CBS Radio Mystery Theater are very Hyman Brown. Yep. That's so him. Hickory Dickory Doom. <laughs> I'm going to start a band and name it that. Or... Write a show, not this show, but just write a show. Do you, we'd sell tickets to any <laughs> show that we called Hickory Dickory Do. <laughs> no, we'd sell it at least one night. Just to see. Until the reviews It's a great hit. name. Until <laughs> the reviews hit. What was it about? Oh, these guys just were watching a clock. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, final judgments. Tim. Uh, this is a classic. It's Again, it's 1979, so it gets a little bit of a, a advantage on Timeless Classic versus some of the older episodes. But it's great. It's great. I liked it a lot. I really enjoyed listening to it. I, I would consider it comfort radio. Mm-hmm. It was so good in the tiny details in the building that I was really pretty disappointed by the end. And it did mar it a little for me because I was kind of on the edge of my seat. And, and they and didn't I, and then, pay it and off. And it just stopped. And I was like, what? Well, because the 45 minutes were up. Yeah. <laughs> we made another 45 minutes. Yes. What about, everything on fire. Yeah. What about the ending? Yeah. Yeah. And, but in all fairness, I, I might have just shrugged that off if the first two thirds of it weren't so good. Well, yeah, I, I love all of them uh, a lot, but I love this episode and I think it's one of the better ones of the scary occult genres of CBS Radio Mystery Theater. But uh, really, uh, I could listen to any of these because of E.G. Marshall and that music. God, yeah, it's great. Beautiful. By the way, that music, it's uh, written, uh, I had it in the beginning, I can't remember the name of the guy, but uh, from the Twilight Zone, if you go online on YouTube, uh, it's actually a 10-minute piece that he wrote where they just took chunks of it and used it as interstitials for different Twilight Zone. And the Twilight Zone box set of all the music from all the Twilight Zones is, is like 80 hours long wow. of all this music. But you can listen to this 10 minutes and then it's like from one thirty to one forty nine of this piece is the music to this show. <laughs> and it's perfect. It's absolutely yeah. perfect. Uh, great. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you would like to learn more about us, please go to ghoulishdelights.com. There you will find what? You'll find old episodes uh, of this podcast. You can listen to more of us doing the same thing. Uh, you can also learn about our live performances. We go out in the world and pre- perform live productions of these classic radio shows, including uh, regular appearances at James J. Hill Center through May. And as long as you're on the internet, why don't you go to iTunes and write a review? about our podcast. I mean, I, kids, write other reviews. That's fine to support other podcasts, but make sure we're included in that support. Uh, we really appreciate it, and we love hearing from you. All right. What's our next episode? We're going to do an episode of The Haunting Hour that I have forgotten the title of right now. <laughs> well, that's even more of a tease. Fantastic. Something from The Haunting Hour. Something from The Haunting Hour. Until next time. Look out!